word from Jonah, and then we're going to have the Lord's Supper together. And I uh, want you to open up to Jonah chapter 1. While you're doing that, I, I wrote a book on the Holy Spirit, and I'd love to give it to you if you want to read it. I encourage people to walk into the life of the Spirit, into the gifts of the Spirit, speak in tongues, build yourself up, and then be open to other gifts. And if you don't, if you're not there yet but want to, I'd love to pray with you because I've prayed with lots of people to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be released in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, tongues and prophecy and other gifts like that. So I'm going to put this down. Here we are. Okay. Ah, that's a good word. Good word. I like that. I can, I can, I can preach when I hear a word like that. So, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Hey, have you found Jonah yet? It's tucked away in there, in the midst of those. They call them minor prophets. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. How did that word get to him? Did God do it audibly? We don't know. He might have. But God gets his word. God knows how to speak to you. God knows how to get through. He got through to Jonah, and what did he say? What was the first word? That's the word, isn't it? That's the word. of com That's the commission. He's going. Why? Because God said go. God says to us, Go. The church has said, come. Come to us. And it's okay to say that, but the church needs to be a going church. When we, okay, that's a good one too. When we started building buildings, then we started saying, come. When we, were in, we slowed down. So we need to remember that the word is, go to that great, it's a mega, mega city. It's a great city. I mean, not great and wonderful, although it was beautiful, but it was also ugly. Of Nineveh, and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. What does God think about sin? He hates it. He hates it. God doesn't have a tolerance for sin. God doesn't say it's okay. The ELCA Lutheran Church is saying it's okay. Truth without grace is brutal. Grace without truth is just sentimental. They're being sentimental. If there's no truth with grace, uh, it'll kill us. It'll level us off. It'll keep us from being passionate for God. So God has an aversion to sin, my sin, your sin. Otherwise, what's the cross of Jesus Christ? The cross of Jesus Christ, we see God's justice spilled out on Jesus. Thank God. That's why God is so forgiving. Because he poured out his wrath for sin on Jesus Christ. Preach against it. So that's the word. God gives Jonah a word to preach against its wickedness. Now, asking Jonah to go to Nineveh would be like Asking the Jews to go to the Nazis. Asking the mother of the Japanese journalist who was 
beheaded by ISIS, asking her to go to ISIS. Why didn't he want to go? Two reasons, possibly. One, that would be scary. How would you like to go to a camp, an ISIS camp, and preach judgment against them? I mean, you'd have to think about that one before you'd make sure that was the will of the Lord, right? Wouldn't you? You'd have to really think about that one. That's, that's what he was asking. These were brutal, brutal, warlike, atrocious killers. I will not describe to you what they did to their victims because it will make you throw up. Think ISIS or worse. They made trophies of them. They, they, they had monuments to their ugly, atrocious brutality. So did Jonah want to go there? Probably not. Not primarily, I don't think, because he was afraid, but primarily because he hated them. As the Nazis have asked the Jews, Germany has asked the Jews, will you forgive us? Man. They said, it's impossible. We can't, we can't do this. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now, Jonah wasn't so stupid to think he could run away from the Lord, but he's running away from the assignment of the Lord. How many of you know that if you want to run from God, there's no transportation plan? There will be no transportation problem. There will be a way. Satan will provide a way. Maybe the Lord will provide a way. I remember one time I was in college, and I was tempted to take a step here rather than here. As I began to consider going this way, I heard the Lord say, do not go. God is the least controlling of any person in the universe. He wasn't encouraging me to go that way. But when the disciples begin to fall away and retreat from following Jesus, did Jesus try to stop them? What did he say to his own disciples? Are you going to go too? The most powerful person in the universe is the least Controlling. He's less controlling than you. He doesn't, he, he never uses force. What if he used force? Oh my. Oh, we'd be in trouble. We'd be ducking all the time. He never uses force. He never raises his voice. He uses the power of love. He's not controlling. He controls. But he's not controlling. I'm more controlling than he is. So here's Jonah rushing, uh, running away. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship uh, bound for that port. And paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish, which probably, there's a couple possibilities, but probably it's way out in Spain, through the Mediterranean all the way to the other end. So he's really gone. He's leaving town. Now, Either we're under the direction of the Lord, and if we're not under the direction, we're under the what? Discipline. 
things change. We're under the discipline of the Lord. It's not fun to be under the discipline of the Lord. Does discipline hurt when dad would... Anybody remember spanking your dad? Did it hurt? Yeah. It's still, yeah. It's still, still feel it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's meant to. It's meant to hurt because it's meant to say to us, don't do that again. And so God in his love, the father who loves his child disciplines his child. And so God in his love sends Jonah a storm. Sadly, the discipline that we get sometimes affects others. And this discipline affects the sailors. All sailors were afraid and cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The Bible says that sleep is a gift from God, right? He giveth to his beloved sleep. You love sleep. Some of you want sleep now, huh? Ready to go to sleep. Sometimes sleep is a cop-out, right? Sometimes sleep is an escape. What is it now? He's, he's running. He should be praying because there's a, there's a violent storm and he's asleep, so the captain <laughs> went to him. Sometimes pagans speak to us. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we'll not perish. So they cast lots and the Lord controlled that. The lots fell on Jonah. They asked him, now I want you to notice something. Look in your Bible. Count how many questions they asked him. In the next about five verses. Keep counting. They are really interrogating him. How many, how many we get here? That's what I got. I got seven. Uh, yep. No, 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 that would be eight. Yeah, you got another one. Way to go. Okay, so they ask him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a, this is a great answer. Listen to his answer. I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea out here, up in water, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them. I want you to notice now, they're terrified. They were terrified because of the water, the storm. Now they're terrified because uh, they know that this God is involved. Terrified them, and they ask, here are more questions, what have you done? For they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, another question, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down to us? Who wrote this book? I mean, who's the, who's the author? Who's the human author? Probably Jonah. It's interesting to me that Jonah is humble enough to uh, show himself in bad light here, which says to me that he probably came out of this and, and came to a good place.
inside the fish, John praying, okay, fine. He's ready to repent. What would you pray? If you got thrown overboard, you probably went down for a while. You can describe what happened to him. It's it's a near-death experience, what he described in the end. He almost dies. He's probably swallowed water. He's got seaweed. He's snarled up. In my distress. Okay, I want you to finish the sentence. In my distress, I. What, if you're going to do something other than call on God, what might you do? In my distress, I. Got angry. Mm. In my distress, I. What? What? Curse God. Curse God. In my distress, I watch television. In my distress, I went to the refrigerator. In my distress, I took another drink. Huh? Drink, eat. Eat, drink. Yeah. So in in distress, in distress causes us to do things. If you want to make somebody mad, interrupt them on the way to their addiction. Interrupt them on the way to their their thing that they need to do when it gets really tough. And you'll you'll, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll see some potential rage. Isn't it wonderful? He says, in my distress, I call to the Lord. So here he is calling to God. And from the depth of the grave, he's almost gone. I called for help and you listened to me. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swelled about me. He's describing now what happened to him. All your waves and breakers swept over me. You figure he's about gone. I said, I am banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head to the roots of the mountains. Underwater, you can still see the mountains if you're near, if you're, if you're not too far from shore. The roots of the mountains sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you brought my life up from the pit. Pit is grave. When my life was ebbing away, he was near death. He's a great prophet. He's a whiner at times, but something happened here. Jesus uses his experience as the sign of his death and resurrection. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs, but I... Oh my, with a song of thanksgiving. From inside the fish, he starts singing a song. That is powerful. He wasn't just saying, help me, 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 sacrifice to you what I vowed, I will make good. So he vowed something. Let me out of here. I'll preach. Salvation comes from the Lord, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on dry land. Now I don't know what that did to Jonah. Those three days. I don't know. Some think it, it uh, just kind of uh, uh, turned him white, so that there was a sign even in his his presence. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. How many are thankful that God comes back a second time with you, and the tenth time, the thirtieth time? Thank God he's so merciful. We blow it. We come we resist him. We actively come against him. And then we ask for forgiveness. And he said, No, you did it purposely. No, it doesn't. I'm going to 
when my dad forgave me for messing up his car, and hardly like it didn't mean anything. I felt such love, and I, I felt God was doing it that easy too. It's easy for God to, to forgive. He's so forgiving, so kind. He's so kind to Jonah. Go to that great city. So, how far is Jonah? Uh, how far is Jerusalem from Nineveh? <coughs> I just looked it up today. 566 miles. How long is that going to take him? Remember now. How does he get there? Whale. 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 Did, did, did it vomit yeah. him up at Jerusalem? Is that what it says? Does it no. Say, oh, does it say, oh, no, I, that's just... The VeggieTale movie says that it vomits <laughs> him up right in front of Nineveh. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> oh! <laughs> that's convenient! Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Right, he's just right there. Oh, <laughs> how'd he get there? How'd that whale get to Nineveh? I don't know. That, that, was, that was a trick. Wow. Anyway, it's a long way. It's going to take him weeks and weeks to get there. God says, go to Nineveh. It's not there the next day. He's taking a long time. He's going to have a lot of time to think. He's going to be thinking about it. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. It was great. It was big. A visit requiring three days. On the first day Jonah started, he proclaimed, get 40 days, and Nineveh will be overturned. Now, listen to the next phrase. It's powerful. The Ninevites believed God. Jonah preached judgment, and God's about ready to give him mercy. That's the ways of God. Sometimes people need judgment in order to find mercy. Hal Lindsey, you ever heard that name? He wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. I worked with him at UCLA. He said when he was a riverboat pilot, a man said to him once, you have nothing to look forward to but the wrath of God. That got his attention. That's what led to his conversion. I'm going down to Brazil next month, and I'll see a guy that's there that's a part of their team who uh, was a pastor's kid and was out drinking Saturday and come to church on Sunday. He confessed once to the pastor, and the pastor said, it's okay, you're going to go. Whoa! And so what did he do? He kept doing what he was doing. And then another guy, a street preacher, said, put away from that Bible. You're not living for the Lord. Quit carrying the Bible. That got through to me. Because someone spoke truth. See, we need grace and truth. Amen. If we water down the truth, we're not going to get the grace that we need. But if we preach truth, we'll get grace. He preached powerful truth, didn't compromise, and God pours out grace. The ELCA, ELCA the Lutheran Church, is preaching grace and there's no truth. It's compromised truth. What does it get? It doesn't get grace. Grace is power to do what God wants me to do. But Jesus is full of grace and truth, it says in John chapter 1. So God gives him grace. God gives him grace because Jonah gives him truth. It says in Ezekiel 33, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they turn from their way and live. And it says, turn. Turn. When something happens in the States, in a city, New Orleans, New York, Los Angeles, and somebody says, well, God's going to judge them. That's not God's disrespect. It's not his main desire. God poured out judgment on Jesus Christ. 
His desires that they be saved. He will judge at the end of the day. But he wants to save. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. When Jesus is walking through a village with some disciples, and they resist, what did James and John say? Let's call down fire. Let's destroy those guys. And Jesus says, you don't know what kind of spirit you have. See, it's not that spirit. God doesn't want to just judge Los Angeles. Are they wicked? Yeah. Sort of Quinn City. Yeah. God wants mercy. So even when we call to preach judgment, we should do it like D.L. Moody says with a tear in our eyes. We're not angry. When you're angry, you're misleading. Westboro Baptist Church, I'm ashamed of them. They're misrepresenting who God is. Is God angry at homo? He's angry at homosexuality. He's angry at my sin, too. Does he hate him? No. Took me a little while to say He doesn't. So I don't, I, I, in my judgment, I don't want to be angry like Kevin God. He didn't want to get these brutal, atrocious killers. He cared about them. And so he needed somebody to connect. God looks for people today that will connect with him on earth. He looks for people. He looks for preachers. He never preaches. You and I do. That means to tell the good news. Or make a connection. Show love to somebody. He looks for people who will make that connection. Heaven and earth. And so he'll do something, but he looks for us to make the connection. So the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast. This is so incredible that a whole city as scholars debate whether there are 120,000 or there are 600,000. I think there's 600,000 because when it says those last chapter, those who didn't know the right hand from the left, I think that's speaking of little children. 120,000 children. It's a big city. 600,000. A city of 600,000 comes under conviction by the Holy Spirit. This, as much as anything that I'm aware of now gives me hope to pray for revival. God, put your spirit of conviction in the city. In a moment, he could do it. What's stopping him? Here's what I think. God is waiting for the prayers of his people to come to that tipping point. I don't know what that tipping point is. But in revival, God looks for his people to participate with him. It's incredible. He wants us to have a part, to have a part in this great revival. So he wants us to pray. That'll bring tremendous joy to our hearts when it comes. So as we're praying, Nate pictured this beautifully when he was preaching about this several months ago. The angels, as they see the, 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 the prayers filling up in this basin, looking over to the Father. And when the Father hears, when the Father will pour out, Spirit of prayer, spirit of conviction. And it will touch, I think. I think it touched nations. When I was in Norway, I was so thankful that I could tell no tell them. Revival's coming to Norway. That's what I'm gonna say you know, next month when I go to Brazil. Revival. I can say it. Tell them. Revival is coming. 
And so we have a part to play. Jonah had a part to play. Listen to his prayer, this decree from the king. He got the nobles together. Do not let any man or beast herd flock taste anything. Do not let them come eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. How did they know to do that? They had God's spirit conviction. God just called it for them. He can do that. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Do you know that they will be in heaven? You know that Jesus says, Woe to you, the city that, that would not repent with Jesus. And he said, The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment and condemn them. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and someone greater than Jonah was here, Jesus, right there. They would not repent at the preaching of Jesus. These guys repented at the preaching of Jonah. I believe Jesus is saying, they're in heaven. So we will meet these ISIS-type people who came under conviction and came to Jesus. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this out because our, our time is up and I want to do communion. But I just want to uh, close with... I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm almost done here. I just wanna, want you to look at the last couple verses. You know the story where Jonah is complaining because he knew that God was tempted. He knew that God was forgiving. He didn't want God to forgive. He was whining. I want you to know, uh, look at the end, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. I love this people. And listen to how we, how we close this. This is the last verse in this Bible here, in, in this book. Should I not be concerned about that great city? So I've taken that, and I say, God, should you not be concerned about this one city? Should you not be concerned about Los Angeles? Should you not be concerned about Boston? Should you not be concerned about Tokyo, about Moscow, about Baghdad, about Damascus? Should you not, God? You love that country. You love those people. You love that city. Can you not bring your uh, your conviction to humble them? He could do it in a moment. So what I'm urging us to do as a community, we don't we don't need more than 25 people to call out to God to change the face of the Twin Cities. I've given you some examples in the past of what's happened when God touched pagans and turned them around. So uh, let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you that as you did it, then you can do it again. So Psalm 85, revive us again that your people may rejoice in you. God, we'd like to see you do that in the Twin Cities. We'd like to see you bring a spirit of conviction that would cause people to cry out to the living God, asking him for mercy. When it happened on the Hebrides Island in 1949, they were crying out. They were going to the police station, just crying out. 
Because God had put such conviction on them. They knew it was the living God. They knew they were violent. This king said, turn from your wickedness. He knew that he would be wicked and they were being wicked. How did they know? God convicted them. The Holy Spirit convicted them. The Holy Spirit can do that again. That gives me confidence to pray. Brothers and sisters, I really ask that in this season that the Lord will give you a spirit of prayer. I, I bless you again now. I bless you with this before. But I bless you with a spirit of prayer <coughs> that you will pray in this day as God gives you unction to do so and that you'll ask for revival. I ask it for my neighborhood. I ask it for my city. I ask it for my state. I ask it for my country. I ask it for Norway and for Brazil and for India, for Pakistan. Join me, please, so that we can see God do a, a mighty thing. God, I pray that you will bring refugees to our to this place, bring refugees from other countries to this property, God, People who, who have God because they don't know the living God. I pray that you would put a spirit of, of love into our hearts these days and call us to upgrade our prayers. And give us hope to believe that certainly you are bringing revival and it's coming very soon. So we're going to take communion. Could, could a couple of you uh, go get that? It's right in there in the I kitchen will. there. And we'll need two of you to do it. And what we're, what we're eating and drinking now is the... Uh, Jesus said, take me, this is my body. This is my blood. So it's the fruit of redemption. It's God's redeeming power. It's God's redeeming love. And we take it, we ingest it. You can come in here. So we remember how our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. But the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of men. Take a moment, the scripture encourages us to examine ourselves, to look inside, and we look up. We don't beat ourselves up, but we see the things that we want to let go of, we want to confess. So the Bible says that we eat and drink in a, in a worthy, in an unworthy way. So you can just begin to come, you know, stand right, just in front of you, come, you come up to the front and take piece of bread and take the juice. Just come up whenever you want to come up.
Now the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and his precious blood strengthen you and keep you steadfast unto life everlasting. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from Thine is the kingdom. Some in there, there's some in here. I'll stretch out my hands. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.